Let's go ahead and open our Bibles over to 2 Timothy chapter 1. 2 Timothy chapter 1, an investment that will last a lifetime. And again, happy Mother's Day to all of you who are mothers. We are very, very grateful for you. When the will of Henry J. Hines, wealthy distributor of the famous 57 varieties line, Heinz ketchup, so forth, was read, when his will was read, it was found to contain the following confession, quote, looking forward to the time when my earthly career will end, I desire to set forth at the very beginning of this will as the most important item in it, a confession of my faith in Jesus Christ as my savior. I also desire to bear witness to the fact that throughout my life, in which there were unusual joys and sorrows, I have been wonderfully sustained by my faith in God through Jesus Christ. This legacy was left me by my consecrated mother, a woman of strong faith, and to it I attribute any success I have attained. Unquote. A man impacted spiritually by his mother. Today we celebrate Mother's Day, and to those of you who are mothers, thank you for the ministry you have and the good work that you do. Honestly, it is an amazing thing. Anybody who will stop and think about what a mother does will absolutely be amazed. It is super work, is what it is. It's super work, and we so appreciate you. Moms and dads, for that matter, have the responsibility of training up the next generation of our nation, for Jesus Christ. And what we do in this regard will have a gigantic impact on the society and the country that will come after us. All right? Now, you know, we oftentimes think in terms of, well, I don't know, you know, in these days and times, and we've all, you know, generation after generation have said it. In these days and times, I don't know about having kids because of the world that they're going to be born into and, you know, all these things that are coming and how things are going down, 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 and all these kind of things. The family has survived. The family will continue to survive. The Christian family in particular, yes, these are challenging times, but you know what? The grace of God is always there. It is always there. Every generation seems to say the same thing, and yet every generation seems to continue on. It's going to continue on until Jesus comes. And actually, even after that, it will continue on. But I want you to keep keep it in mind, folks, that we have this responsibility. And yet the fact is, you know, we're concerned about the world that is to come. Well, you know what? A lot of the condition of that, a lot of the environment of that has to do with parents doing their job. All right? And I say, well, I don't like the way our country's going. Okay, can I tell you? One of the major reasons our country is going the way it is is because of the breakdown of the family. That is why it's going the way it is. And with the breakdown of the family, what does that mean? The breakdown of the family means that parents are not doing their job. That's what it means. And so we wonder about the world that our children are going to inherit. Listen, we can make a difference. We can make a difference in that. And if, by the way, if believers don't make the difference, who do we think is going to do it? Nobody's going to make a good difference. Nobody. Unless it's the Bible-believing Christians. What we've seen in the last 50 years is the breakdown of the biblical family. 
in our country. It has led to many of the problems we have in our country today. Poverty is one of the big issues that people are always talking about. Well, one of the reasons for that is the breakdown of the family. Okay, the conflicts within society, the immorality that we see, what is that? That's all a breakdown of the family. It has led to many of the problems we have. Parents have failed to instill biblical principles into their children. With this failure has come the failure of the family. It has to be. We reap what we sow. This is the way it works out. Now there are those who are trying to redefine the family. And we see this going up all the way to the Supreme Court now, really trying to redefine what the family is. Let me be clear. Let me be clear, folks. God is the one who created and designed the family, and it is defined as one man and one woman. All right? And from that union comes children. That is a biblical family. And it doesn't matter what the Supreme Court says. The Supreme Court has been wrong before. And if they define it as anything different than what the Bible says, they're wrong again. All right. God is God. He's the architect. He's the one who designed and sculpted society and how it's supposed to function. And it's only going to function properly when it's done the way God says. Okay. Now, with me saying that, you know, there are people here, oh, he's homophobe. No, I'm not. I'm not afraid of homosexuals. And I love all people. I really do. But folks, listen, the family is one man and one woman. And from that union comes children. That is the family. That is what God says. He created it. He ought to know. And anything different than that is a departure and a twisting and a perversion of what God has designed. And it is not going to be, regardless of whether you call it this or not, it's not going to be successful. It's going to be riddled with problems. Why? Because it's apostatizing, it's departing from what God has ordained and God has said. And listen, you cannot go against what God says and not pay for it sooner or later. We do reap what we sow, and we're seeing that in our society. God is the one who created it. And by the way, when he created the family, as I've already said, but not in these words, he created them male and female, man and woman. There is no such thing as a male mother, no such thing. And there is no such thing as a female father, no such thing. Aren't you afraid to say that? I'm not afraid to say that. That's what the Bible says, okay? It is what the Bible says. Now, did that mean that we we hate people who don't believe that? No, we love all people, all right? And we live in a country that allows people of differing ideas to coexist with one another. And I think that's good. We can coexist. But it's interesting when we talk about intolerance today that the ones people are most intolerant towards are those who agree with what God says on the issue. See, we're in trouble, folks, in America, And what we need to do is we need to get back to God's plan. And when we give ourselves to God's plan, that's an investment that will last a lifetime. This is how God planned it. But we see in our society in the early 60s, the Bible and prayer were forced out of our schools. As a result, what has happened since that time? As a result, the morals and standards for living in our country went down with it. It isn't just specific theology, such as salvation by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. Qualities, human qualities, such as love, kindness, honesty, thoughtfulness, decency, respect for authority, respect for elders, 
issues such as the value of another human being and the sanctity of human life. These issues, we've gotten so far away from them. Why? Because the source of those things, we've said that's not allowed in the public arena. And the source is the word of God. It's where we get it. It's where we get it. These things shouldn't even be in question. And there was a time when they weren't in our lifetime, in my lifetime. These things were not even in question. You didn't think about what was right and wrong. When I was growing up, you didn't think about what was right and wrong. You knew what was right and wrong. Now, that doesn't mean you always did the right thing, but you knew what was right and wrong. And you knew if you did this certain thing that was wrong, it was wrong. You knew it was wrong. You just hope you wouldn't get caught, right? Do you remember? But now it's an issue of, well, who says that's wrong? Who says that's right? God does. God says, oh, but we can't have that as our standard. Okay, you don't want it as a standard? Then we pay the price for that rejection. We pay the price. See, most everyone knew what was right and wrong. Why? Because of our roots as a nation. The roots of our nation were biblical. This nation was founded on the word of God. Now, I did not say that every one of our founding fathers was a Bible-believing Christian. I didn't say that because people will hear that, founded on the word of God. They weren't all Christians. Wait a minute. Did I say that? I didn't say that. What I am saying, though, is this. They all had a understanding of the Judeo-Christian ethic. It's the fiber, it's the foundation of the United States of America. And this is what made us great as a nation. Our roots as a nation were biblical and were passed down from generation to generation. And that's why we had this understanding. We knew what was right. We knew what was wrong. We had a decency. Listen, the violence is escalating in our country, isn't it? Just last night, did you see the news this morning? Two more policemen were ambushed, killed. Then I don't remember if it was one or more of the murderers got in the police car and drove it away. Can you imagine this is going on? Now listen, folks, this is crazy. But this is where we're going. Why? Because of the breakdown of the family, because of the departure from the word of God. I want to focus on motherhood today. might say... I thought we were focusing on the breakdown of the family. Yeah, but you know what? One of the keys for us getting back on track is for fathers and mothers to do their job, all right? And to be committed to that. Now, I'm not going to, ladies, I'm not going to today burden you down with a long list of do's and don'ts. That's not the point today. I just want us to see what an important part you play in this society in which we live. The first thing I want to talk about is the influence of motherhood. And we we saw that in the life of Henry J. Hines, the influence of his mother. But this influence of motherhood, the impact of a mother's life on her children is absolutely immeasurable. You cannot measure it in words. You cannot put it on a piece of paper. It is something that is going on and it is being put into, can I say welded, welded into the very character of your children. So much of what we remember from childhood has mom in it, does it not? It is impossible, personally, personally, I speak from my my own experience, it is impossible for me to think of my childhood and not see the face of my mother immediately. There's no situation from my childhood that I ever think back on and my mother's face does not come into it. 
Now, I don't believe she was a born-again believer until later in life. But folks, listen, even in her religion that she was raised in, she had that keen sense of biblical right and wrong. See, that was what our nation had in it. That doesn't mean everybody lived that way, but even those who didn't live that way knew how it was supposed to be. Now we've got this unbelievable ignorance in our society. Oh, pastor, you really think there's ignorance? Yes, I do think there's ignorance. It is unbelievable how we have decayed as a country. Listen, mothers, you have an unbelievable impact in the lives of your children. 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 3, Paul writing to Timothy, the young pastor, and he says this, I thank God whom I serve from my forefathers with a pure conscience that without ceasing I have remembrance of thee, Timothy, in my prayers night and day, greatly desiring to see thee, being mindful of thy tears, that I may be filled with joy. Watch this in verse 5. When I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith that is in thee, the word unfaith means unhypocritical or genuine. Now look at this. When I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith that is in thee, which dwelt first in thy grandmother, Lois, and thy mother, Eunice, and I am persuaded that in thee also. You see, there was a spiritual reality in Timothy's mother and grandmother's lives that had a huge impact on his life spiritually. And this is the way it's supposed to be. You know, there are people today, secular people who are saying that it should be a crime. It should be a crime for parents to influence their children and what they believe. That should be a crime. That parents shouldn't have the right to do that. Listen, that is straight out of hell. Okay? I'll try not to be blunt. That is straight out of hell. That is where it's from. That is so wicked. Because if that is held on to, and if that is practice, our society doesn't have a chance. Not a chance. Listen, parents, if we don't influence our children, somebody else is going to influence our children. Make no mistake about it. That void will be filled by somebody. God says the ones who should influence the children the most are mom and dad. They should have the biggest impact in the life of a child. See, if you're a mother here today, let me encourage you to keep going by God's grace, okay? Keep going. It's not easy. I know it's not easy. But keep going by God's grace. And do the best job you possibly can. Because you are having a major, profound impact on your children's lives. And you are investing in them. And every bit of investing you do in the lives of your children, that is going to last a lifetime. So do the best job you possibly can. Listen, how long are you going to have them? You're going to have them really face to face pretty much, maybe 18 years, and then they're gone. Now, 18 years to me doesn't seem like a very long time anymore. It goes by very quickly, doesn't it? But that investment, pour yourself into your children, pour yourself in. Well, I've got other things I want to do. Listen, you've got to give yourself to this. In the family, a woman's first priority is her husband. Second priority is the children. Pouring yourself into these. Years ago, a young mother was making her way across the hills of South Wales, carrying her tiny baby in her arms when she was overtaken by a blinding blizzard. She never reached her destination. 
And when the blizzard had subsided, her body was found by searchers beneath a mound of snow. But they discovered that before her death, she had taken off all her outer clothing and wrapped it about her baby. When they unwrapped the child, to their great surprise and joy, they found he was alive and well. She had mounted her body over his and given her life for her child, proving the depths of her mother love. Years later, that child, David Lloyd George, grown to manhood, became prime minister of Great Britain and, without a doubt, one of England's greatest statesmen. Would have never happened outside of the sacrificial love of mother. The influence that is there. Listen, I never knew this man, but I guarantee to you, when he knew what his mother had done for him, that had a major impact on his life. I'm sure he never forgot it. Secondly, what is the biblical goal of motherhood? Well, simply put, it is to nurture and train up a child to be a responsible and faithful believer in Jesus Christ. This is what it's about. Now, I'll say that again. The biblical goal of motherhood, it is to nurture and train up a child to be a responsible and faithful believer in Jesus Christ. It is very important to not lose sight of the big picture. Now, why do I say that? Well, because we trained up three girls in our family, and you know what? We can become lost in all the hectic details of daily life, right? I mean, you just can't. There's a million things to do. There's shopping, there's, there's sewing, there's, there's cooking, there's this. You know, we had three girls. There was doing the hair. Enough said. What was my job on that? Cleaning out the drains of all the hair. Ugh. Anyways, sacrificial love. What can I say? But uh, no, it's not that big of a deal. Well, anyways, let's move on. The point, though, is this. It's easy to get lost in the details, the, the hassle. The, it seems like every day it's a race to get everything done. You know what? What we need to do is we need to step back and say, okay, what is it we're trying to do here? Keep it as simple as we can as far as the goals, the purpose. What is it we're trying to accomplish? What you're trying to accomplish, and, and by the way, this is also the responsibility of dad. Do we understand that? To nurture and train up a child to be a responsible and faithful believer in Christ. Don't lose sight of the big picture. You're still in 2 Timothy. Go over to chapter 3. 2 Timothy chapter 3. I say, well, life is more complicated now than it was in biblical times. Let me tell you something. It all has a way of evening out. Back in biblical times, they couldn't go down to the store and buy five loaves of bread. Why? Well, one reason they were so poor they couldn't afford it. So what did they do? They baked it. What does that mean? They had to go get the ingredients or maybe grow the ingredients and then get the ingredients and and go through the process of getting all that ready. And, And, you know, they didn't have washing machines back then. We get frustrated when they break down. Imagine living in a society when you didn't have it. Those of you with little ones, there was no such thing as a disposable diaper. A disposable diaper back then was one that was so deteriorated you had to get rid of it. See what I'm saying? See what I'm saying? Oh, you're out of something. You need to go to the store. Back then, you walked to the store. Why? There wasn't any such thing as an automobile. What did that do? That took a lot of time to walk to the market. So your day was eaten up in different ways. It all balances out in that regard. Everybody is busy. But the big picture is this. We are trying to nurture and train up children to be responsible and faithful believers 
in Jesus Christ. 2 Timothy 3.15, it says, And that from a child, Paul's still talking to Timothy, And that from a child thou hast known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus, okay? Most Bible commentators do not believe that Timothy's dad was a believer, only his mom and his grandmother. We don't know for sure. We'll just, you know, he's not mentioned, so we'll just say it doesn't seem like he was in the picture a lot in that regard. However, however, that's not the point. The point is this. Mom and grandma never lost sight of the big picture. They always understood, wait, the first thing, we have a responsibility here before God to train up this child properly, to nurture this child properly. And you know what? The rest of it can wait because this is most important. Now, that doesn't mean, you know, when I say the rest of it can wait, that doesn't mean, okay, you know what? We're going to have our two-hour devotional time today and you just starve until the end of it. No, listen, that'll just turn people away. I'm not saying that. Be sensible. But you see... The word of God and and Bible truth, it was part of the the fabric of the home. And by the way, that was not divorced from the local church. That was part of the training up, was local church. Okay, Biblically speaking, there should be no conflict between the family and the local church. They should be working together to build up strong believers in Christ of all ages, of all ages. Being a godly mother is extremely hard work. It is a huge investment of your time to do it successfully. And it will take sacrifice and time and a gigantic amount of your energy. But is it worth it? It's worth it. A cartoon showed a psychologist talking to his patient. Let me see, he said. You spend 50% of your energy at your job, 50% on your husband, and 50% on your children. I think I see your problem. And doesn't it seem that's the way it is with life? All of the time, and it's the days on the calendar. They're just going, 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 going. You know what? If you haven't been there yet, you're going to realize this. If your kids are not out the door yet, they're born into your family. There they are, those precious little newborn infants. And the next thing you know, they're graduating from high school and off they go. And it really does go quickly. Oh, there's wonderful stuff in between. But let's make sure what's in between is of biblical value. Let's not follow the world system and how the world does it. Let's do it God's way. Proverbs 22, 6 says, Train up a child in the way he should go. That's God's way. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. This general great principle. And why would he not depart? It's because it was so properly and correctly put in to the life. It became part of the fabric of that child. When he was young, he accepted it. He became teachable through proper discipline. By the way, that is what will make your children teachable, proper discipline. It'll teach them submission. See, if they're not submitted to your authority, why would they be submitted to God's authority? They can't even see him. This is where it begins. But that proper training, that makes them open and teachable. Then you can teach, you can impart the word of God. That can be part of their fabric. Then their lives can be built on the word of God. And then they can be faithful. Proverbs twenty nine fifteen says, The rod and reproof give wisdom, but a child left to himself bringeth his mother to shame. I'll let you define what left to himself means. I'll tell you this, no child should be left alone with a computer. 
no child. You be very careful about, especially if you have internet access. Listen, there are predators out there, all right? It's not a matter of us going to look for it. They are looking for us. And let me tell you, there are some, can I call them this, animals out there who are looking for your children. Be careful. I wouldn't let them touch it. Our girls were not allowed to get on the internet unless we knew it or we were right there by them. And they had very strict instructions. If you ever come over anything that's not right, you immediately stop and you come talk to us about it. You let us know what it is. Be careful. All right. Listen, it takes time. The rod and reproof. Reproof means that there's verbal instruction as well as proper physical discipline. All these things are part of the training process to where children turn out, okay? Raise your children to accept responsibility and to live for Christ, okay? Be aware of where your children are spiritually. Our kids, when they were growing up, we could sense. They could walk into a room and we could sense if they were having a rebellion issue. We could just sense it in their attitude, okay? Now, we say anything right when we sense it? No, we just watch to make sure we're right. But we were. You take care of the attitudes of your children, it will take care of the actions of your children. See, attitude is what leads to action. Your child has a bad attitude, it's just a matter of time before you see bad actions. Your child has a, has a habit of kicking people, all right? You know what you do? You take care of the attitude. Guess what? They won't kick them any longer. Don't wait till they kick them to do something. Try to train them to where they don't kick people. I don't know why I'm using that as an example. Raise them to be responsible. Third thing I want to mention today is simply this, the honor of motherhood. Turn with me to Ephesians chapter 6. It says in Ephesians chapter 6 verse 1, it says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Isn't that beautiful? Well, it depends. No, wait a minute. Obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. I love that because it takes all the excuses out of it. Well, I would obey, but you know what? Uh, I missed an hour's sleep last night. Right, Mommy? I mean, you told me I missed an hour's sleep, so that's why I'm not behaving myself today. You missed an hour's sleep. Listen, an hour's sleep is not going to do anything. If they were up all night, half the night, maybe that's going to exhibit some problems, but an hour, they can handle it. Kids are more resilient, I think, than we are. No, it's right to obey your parents. Now, whose job is it to teach children that that's right? It's the parent's job to teach them. You might say, well, isn't that kind of self-serving? Well, part of it, yes, it is self-serving, but it's biblical. So therefore, it's serving them well. See, folks, putting these things into the lives of our children, it's an investment that will last a lifetime. Pouring ourselves in, it's an investment that's going to last a lifetime. What we do with them now, it's going to affect their future. Their whole lives are going to be affected. Let's make it a positive thing. Verse 2, honor thy father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with thee and thou mayest live long on the earth. By the way, if they don't get verse 1 right, they're not going to get verse 2 right. If they don't learn obedience, they're not going to end up honoring their parents. We are to honor Mothers, And of course, fathers too, but we are to honor mothers. If godly moms are so vital, and they are, then we need to recognize that and honor them for that great, important position. 
that they have. Now, what does that mean to honor them? Well, the biblical word honor, it means to consider as valuable or precious, like a jewel, like a valuable jewel. That's how the family is supposed to look on mother. That's how she is supposed to be seen. She is supposed to be honored. All right. I say, well, I don't really feel like doing that. Well, that shows how far out in left field you are because you don't see it like God does. What God is saying by this is that this is such an important position, as is fatherhood, that both mom and dad are supposed to be honored people by the children. Now, you know, we can all look back and say, well, you know, but my mom was this way. That wasn't right. Or my dad was this way. That wasn't right. Hey, you know what? God knew your parents would not be perfect. And he still said to honor them. It's a principle. It's not a if, it's a principle. We honor them, all right? Listen, you might say, well, what if I have an unbelieving mom? What if I have an unbelieving dad? What if they're not spiritual people? They're not interested in Christianity. Do I still honor them? Yes, why? God says so. And you know what? If you honor them properly as much as you can, if you honor them, that doesn't mean you have to agree with them. It doesn't mean you compromise your faith. What you're doing is you're applying your faith. You're living by principle. And if you honor them, that's not going to close the door to them listening to the gospel. That's going to open the door to them listening to the gospel, right? It's a win-win situation. Honor thy father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with thee, and thou mayest live long on the earth. All right? So we are to honor them. We are to consider them as valuable. We are to consider them as precious When? Every day. Not just today. Well, today's Mother's Day. I'll honor mom and then get back to life. You're missing it. We are to honor them all the time. By the way, the word honor here, it's a verb and it is written in the present tense. It's something that we should do every single day. Every single day. Honoring. Keep honoring. Honor now, an hour from now, a year from now, 10 years from now, a week from now, next month. Whenever you have opportunity honor your parents. God will bless your life. That's what it means. It'll be well with thee and thou mayest live long on the earth. God will bless your lives. And how, by the way, how do we honor them? Simply put, we do it through our words and through our deeds, what we say and what we do. A four-year-old and a six-year-old presented their mom with a house plant. Mother's Day. Why not? They had used their own money and she was thrilled. The older of them said with a sad face, there was a bouquet that we wanted to give you at the flower shop. It was real pretty, but it was too expensive. It had a ribbon on it that said, rest in peace. And we thought it would be just perfect since you are always asking for a little peace so that you can rest. That's good. And what were those little kids trying to do? They're trying to honor mom. And you know what? Moms don't forget things like this. They don't forget it. There are some things we wish they would forget, but there's a lot that they don't. Let me say, again, moms, my hat is off to you, and uh, you have incredible influence in the lives of your children. You have goals clearly set from Scripture, and you deserve to be honored. Why? God says so. This is a right principle. And listen, when we give ourselves, all of us, wherever we fit into this, when we give ourselves to this, you know what? Our homes are going to be better. The impact is going to be lasting. 
and God is going to bless the home. Is that not what we want? We want our lives, our homes and our lives to be blessed. We want our children to be blessed. We want our nation to be blessed. We want our churches to be blessed. It's not by forsaking God's way. It's by embracing God's way. Now, let me say, as we kind of close out on this today, very important. It doesn't matter whether you're a mother, a father, a young person, a teenager, a child, doesn't matter. Listen, listen, God wants you to be his child. And this is the most important thing of all, because actually you could be a responsible, honorable child. And when you die, not go to heaven because you don't go to heaven by being good. It's good to be good, but you don't go to heaven by being good. You go to heaven by putting your faith in Jesus Christ as your payment for sin. You see, the Bible says in Romans 3.23, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. All of us have sinned. That includes me. God loves us so much. He hates our sin, but he loves us so much. I like what one pastor said. God would rather die than to live without you. And that is exactly what he did in the person of Jesus Christ. Let me show you this illustration. Here we are. This is, represents sin. We're all sinners. God loves us, hates our sin. Our sin separates us from God. You can't go to heaven with sin. Not even one. Heaven's a perfect place, and we have to be perfect to enter. Well, we're not. God says our sin has to be paid for, and if we do it, the wages of sin, Bible says, is death. We'd spend forever separated from God in hell. God doesn't want that for any of us. Religions come along and say, well, okay, I'll try to be good. I'll try to behave. I'll try to send flowers next year or whatever. None of that pays for sin. Sin's got to be gone, has to be gone for you to go to heaven. So then what are we going to do? There's nothing we could do in ourselves. That's why the Bible says God took on flesh in the person of Jesus Christ, this hand representing him. And the Bible says in Romans 5, 8, God commendeth or displayed his love towards us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. See, God didn't say, get rid of your sin and I'll let you go to heaven. He says, no, I am the solution to your sin. I am the only one who can get rid of your sin. That's what Jesus did. When Jesus died on the cross, he died for our sins. He made the payment, came back from the dead, and he says, if you will believe that he did that for you, if you'll put your faith in him that he did that for you, he will give you as a free gift everlasting life best news in all the world. You can become a child of God simply by putting your faith, your trust in Jesus Christ. Scripture says, for by grace are you saved through faith and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. It is not of works, lest any man should boast. Listen, if you've never put your faith, your trust in Jesus Christ alone as your savior, would you trust in him as your savior today? Water baptism will not save you. Being a good person will not save you. Trying to keep the commandments will not save you. It's not of works, lest any man should boast. The only one who can save you is Jesus Christ. You can't save yourself by your deeds. Jesus is the only Savior, according to the Bible. Would you today put your faith, your trust in Jesus Christ as your Savior? Well, friends, that concludes this edition of Voice of Assurance. Thanks so much for listening. And would you share this ministry with a friend? To contact us or learn more about our ministry, please visit www.northlandchurch.com. Your prayers and support for this ministry are greatly appreciated. Thank you so much, and God bless you.